Let us pray. God of call, God of transformation, God of the Lenten journey, help us to discern your still small voice. Open us to change and grow that we may walk with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Old Testament scripture this morning comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, you should not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet, covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered 
that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews said to him, what sign would you show, can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word that tells us your son came and died for us that we might have eternal life. Lord, use me in this moment to speak your truth. Bless those who hear your word that they might believe and turn to you through Jesus Christ. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is Zeal for God's House. I like the Gospel of John. John, the apostle, son of Zebedee, and brother of James, witnessed and testified in his gospel conclusively that Jesus is the Son of God and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. The Gospel of John was written to new Christians and searching non-Christians, seekers, if you will. This passage is about Jesus cleansing the temple of riffraff that had consumed the temple, making it difficult for believers and seekers to encounter God through meaningful worship. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the same story of Jesus cleansing the temple. However, they record the story much later in Jesus' ministry. Logically, it makes sense that the story occurs later in his ministry, after he performs many miracles, grows many followers of his teachings, and draws negative attention to himself from religious leaders. According to Bible scholars, the synoptic chronology is the more historic, historically reliable because it is difficult to see how the Jewish religious authorities would have tolerated such a confrontational act at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. John moves the temple scene to the beginning of this gospel because it serves a symbolic function for him. The temple cleansing in the gospel of John completes the inaugural event begun with the Cana miracle. The passage of Jesus turning water to wine revealed the grace and glory of Jesus and the abundance of new life Jesus offers, while today's passage highlights the challenge and the threat that new life poses to the existing order. Jesus went to Jerusalem around the time of the Passover. The Passover was one of the festivals observed by Jewish community. Some of the other festivals included unleavened bread to remember the exodus 
from Egypt and the beginning of new life. This festival followed the Passover. The festival of first fruits remind, reminded God's people of his provisions for them. And at the festival of weeks, they showed joy and thanksgiving for harvest. And the festival of tabernacles or booths was a reminder of God's protection and guidance for his people. The festivals were a time for remembering, that is to liturgically recall and relive past events, as well as for feasting and celebrating. During all the pilgrimage festivals, huge crowds of pilgrims would congregate in Jerusalem, and historian Josephus estimates as many as 2,700,000 would be in attendance. Large numbers of animals were required, were required, especially during the Passover. Now, the temple was a huge place, and it was divided into various spaces called courts. The innermost space was the holiest of holy places, and closest to it was an area for the priests. Well beyond the holy place were courts for the Jewish community, the women, and the Gentiles. The temple courts were overflowing with people and animals at the Passover. This was the scene as Jesus entered the courts of the temple. He saw men selling hundreds, if not thousands, of cattle, sheep, and doves. He saw table after table of men engaged in the exchange of money. It must have been a chaotic scene Jesus witnessed in the temple of God that day. No wonder he made a whip of cords and drove out all the animals. I'm sure his blood boiled to see the vast amount of people conducting business and showing no reference, reverence for God in the, in the house of God and all for the sake of the Passover. What an awful sight that must have been for Jesus. On the other hand, I imagine the rationale for the sellers and the money changers was, hey, we're, we're providing a good service for the people in preparation for worship. We are selling unblemished uh, sacrificial animals to those traveling far and wide. And we are pro uh, providing money exchange because their money bears the emperor's face and it's not accepted, yes. Indeed, we are providing a good service. Now, while this may have started as a service of convenience to travelers, it evolved into a profitable, profitable service engaged in price gouging that took advantage of individuals on the mass pilgrimage to the Passover. Sellers and money changers, volumes of animals and people from near and far, a chaotic atmosphere indeed. It was so chaotic that Jesus tossed the coins and flipped the tables of money changers. Get out of here, stop making a mockery of my father's house. Again, I remind you that the place where they carried out this exploitative business was the area of the temple known as the court of the Gentiles. This was supposed to be where seeking Gentiles could come and find out about God. But now it was a religious 
marketplace. Instead of being a place of prayer and seeking, it had become a cattle market filled with cash registers. At that moment, the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for my father's house will consume me. Psalm 69 and 9, zeal for my father's house has consumed me, is altered in this passage to the future tense, pointing to Jesus' death on the cross. Isn't it funny that as Jesus disrupted the marketplace and challenged the religious system, the leaders did not get mad at him? Their tables were flipped upside down and they didn't retaliate. Instead, they asked for a miracle so typical of these unbelievers. Jesus, what miracle, what sign will you show to prove you have the authority to challenge our system? In their foolish request, did they even reflect on the anticipation of the Messiah? Malachi 3, 1 through 2 says, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like fuller's soap. Was this Jesus the Messiah? Was he going to be the one to throw out the Romans? And their answer came back, no. Jesus was going to be the one who threw out fake religion instead. It's, it wasn't Romans he threw out, but those who got in the way of the people coming close to God. The Jews were not reflecting on Malachi because they were looking for proof. The unbelievers were always looking for a sign. So Jesus challenged their unbelief with the truth. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews were so far off course, so blinded by their rituals and their system, that they did not see Jesus, the Messiah, standing before them. Oh yes, I like the Apostle Paul because he helps us not to miss today what the Jews missed in Jesus' day. Jesus tells us in verse 21 that Jesus is the temple. And we, like the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, believe what is written in the Bible. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to have zeal for his house, the temple, because Jesus is the temple to which we go to to encounter our God. Do you have zeal for God's house? Do you have zeal for Jesus Christ, or has that zeal been displaced towards something else? Before we can answer those questions, let's define zeal. Zeal, according to Merriam-Webster, is eagerness and ardent interest in pursuit of something. In the Life Application Study Bible's definition of zeal is enthusiastic and diligent devotion. 
So do you have zeal for God's house, Jesus Christ, or has it been misplaced? I have observed many people, including myself, who have zeal for many different things. For example, football and the Super Bowl and the activities surrounding, surrounding it and are just an example of the display of enthusiasm and zeal towards something, something other than God through Jesus Christ. Some people have zeal for work, and don't get me wrong, a good work ethic is great, but not at the expense of God and family. Others have zeal for extracurricular activities or hobbies, and still other, others have more zeal for church-related activities than for worshiping God. Let's face it. As we reflect on the things we do with great enthusiasm, we are at great risk with our enthusiasm for other things that might overshadow our enthusiasm for the worship of our living God. The temple, the church, can be abused by forgetting what worship is all about, misusing the facilities and buildings of God's house, ignoring God's holiness, forgetting one's duty to reverence God, allowing questionable, non-worshipful activities in the church. This was the case and was what Jesus witnessed at the temple during Passover. He witnessed the misuse of his father's house. He witnessed people conducting themselves in unholy manners. He witnessed people conducting themselves in business transactions. He witnessed the lack, the gross lack of reverence for God. How were the non-believers feeling as they entered this scene? What were the seekers thinking as they entered the temple turned into a marketplace? I can only imagine their anxious presence as they sought the image of God and found instead a carnival-type atmosphere devoid of the presence of God. The priests were apathetic in their duties as servants of God. They had taken a good thing, the provision of animal sacrifices for holy worship to God, and turned it into a full-fledged lucrative business. They made the temple of God's house a marketplace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus cleansed the temple in Jerusalem to show us that he is the temple, the way to God. He cleared his father's house of the sellers and the money changers to show us a better way to seek and serve God through Christ. When we come into God's house to worship, we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, and for that we have great reason to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God's house is a holy place, a place to seek God, a place to worship and show reverence for our triune God, a place to come and feel the presence through Jesus Christ. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Friends, 
we must have zeal for God's house. Amen? Amen.